This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. Up next, how online learning is evolving. So the idea of online learning, of course, has gained a lot of traction in recent years. I almost feel like I'm saying something that has become in some ways a practice for some people. I know uh, whole semesters for whom people just did online learning classes. So it's no longer a backup. In some cases, actually, even the the default. So just last year, the Higher Education Ministry announced their plans to introduce hybrid and flexible learning systems, um, which is, of course, half online and half physical classes. And I do think that also from the perspective of many students, the ability to learn online adds so many things. On the one hand, convenience, uh, accessibility, but largely also um, things like flexibility and, and time. Yeah, there's there is one thing I think we I would sort of recommend is that that people going into online learning, you know, or people organizing these online learning courses, make sure that the students themselves are pre- prepared for what that means. Because what happens in a face to face learning situation is that you're the structures are such that you are forced to be focused, right? You're there, you're sitting in front of the lecturer. There's everything that sort of pushes you in the direction of being focused and attentive. But whereas if you do a lot of your work uh, at home, the distractions are multiple. and There's absolutely nothing to hold you from walking away from it. So something might be going on, but if you switch your camera off, as has happened when, you know, if you've ever conducted an online course mm. or a discussion, you know, a lot of people who are supposed to be listening to you have their cameras off. So you have no idea if they're actually still there. I mean, they're apparently there. And so there's this, I think there are things around this as well. But I mean, for myself, uh, you know, I often just, you know, uh, plug and play some online a, a lecture that might have been done at a university that's now offering for free. So, you know, a Robert Sapolsky a series of lectures on, I don't know, on human biology is something I can access without even having to pay for it. Uh, well, I think that actually that's exactly it. One of the advantages of online learning. And I admit that actually all those things you pointed out, the different style of learning it requires does take a little bit of a shift for some people. Um, But on the plus side, though, is all of those things about access. Um, You don't have to worry about location. You don't have to worry about, in some cases, childcare um, or distance. So there, there are many ways in which the ability to be able to take classes or courses um, at a location that is convenient to you uh, can significantly change what education means. So after this, we will be hearing from Professor Dr. Santi Raghavan, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Learner Experience and Technology, as well as Professor Dato Dr. Muhammad Tajuddin Muhammad Ningal, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Academic and Research, both from Open University Malaysia. But we want to hear from you as well. What have your experiences been with online learning? You can call double seven. Seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beating fickle mindsets. BFM eighty nine point nine. The Business Station. 
It's 7.11. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And we're talking about online learning, particularly in the tertiary education uh, level. And we want to hear from you. What have your experiences been with online learning? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Joining us now on the line is Professor Dr. Santi Raghavan, Deputy Vice Chancellor of Learner Experience and Technology, and Professor Dato Dr. Mohammad Tajuddin Mohammad Ningal, Deputy Vice Chancellor of Academic and Research, both from Open University Malaysia. Prof. Santi, Prof. Tajuddin, uh, good to have you with us. So at the moment, OUM has 55 programs under four faculties, and that's quite an extensive list. But do you have any plans on expanding uh, and including more programs? Have there been uh, demands for this? We have been doing a lot of forecasting uh, because we are moving forward in terms of delivering new, new programs to meet the demand of the industry and also the demand of our learners out there. And, of course, okay, the major population of our university are working adults. So that, that was the purpose of the Open University is to provide, uh, you know, education to those working adults who wants to make a difference in their life. So we are expecting this year in 2024, we have uh, already in the pipeline seven new programs that we are going to offer to the uh, to the, our learners. We are going to offer Master of Counseling with specialization in family therapy and Master of Counseling in clinical uh, counseling or clinical mental health. So again, we you know these are based from the demand from the from the um, you know people who are in the industry. So they are looking for more specializations. And then they have specialty because we are addressing we are now in this uh, world of complexity, a lot of issues, uh, a lot of societal issues. So we believe that uh, we need to have more specialists in the, uh, the counseling field. And this is in line with the Malaysian Board of Counselors. So they are, you know, they are promoting uh, universities to come up with your special specialization programs. So other than Master of Counseling, we are also coming up with a Master in Data Science, so another, another new program that we're going to come up this semester. And then a Master of uh, Medical Health and Science. And then Bachelor in Logistic Management and Supply Chain. And another one, another uh, popular program that we are going to offer is the Doctor of Early Childhood. So again, we see a lot of this demand from the uh, kindergarten teachers, uh, nursery teachers, who are you know, looking for advancements in their education. And another, another program they're going to offer is Diploma in Occupational Safety and Health. And we are going to offer that, I think, uh, in the coming semester. Um, we have a business strategy and planning unit in OUM that conducts survey among the workforce and those fresh from school. Uh, we, we do these surveys because we want to determine what are the most sought-after programs, what are the programs that are most viable to offer, uh, because we also need to submit these documents to the governing bodies uh, to prove that these new programs are actually in demand. And we even have to chart out the career pathway for our learners. Now, OUM has fostered uh, partnerships with various higher education institutions in Africa, in Asia and in the Middle East. Can you talk to us about how successful these partnerships have been? Very successful partnerships. Now, we started with the Kingdom of Bahrain in 2006, and we now have partners in 12 countries, and the list is growing. 
um, Hungary, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, Bahrain, Yemen, Ghana, uh, Kingdom of Saudi, Somalia, Zambia, Maldives, Bangladesh, Mauritius, and the latest being Kuwait and the U.S. I thought in the Kingdom of Bahrain, in Yemen, as well as the Batam Island, and also Vietnam. So what partnerships are you looking to foster in the future? What does the ideal collaboration look like to you? You know, being in this, uh, in this academic industry, you know, you cannot work in silo. So I think the university has to, uh, to do smart collaboration with the industry. So, of course, you know, in, in terms of doing your smart partnership with the industry, of course, it has to be mutually beneficial, right? Uh, you know, not only to the university, but also to address the evolving needs of both, uh, you know, academia and also the workforce. In terms of that smart partnerships, of course, we are going to do a lot of curriculum alignment. So, you know, because... We need some feedbacks from the industry. So they need to, you know, give us some inputs how our existing curriculum could be enhanced. And another one is that when we have that smart partnership with the industry, of course we have industry experts to come in and sit in our advisory board. So they will provide a lot of these uh, expertise, a lot of their experiences to provide inputs, real-world scenarios, and how, you know, they will look into our curriculum and they will advise our academics. So what are the areas that we need to improve? So I think this is very important for the university to move forward in terms of uh, providing a quality education and, uh, you know, ready education for the marketplace. We're currently planning to, uh, uh, to offer dual degree programs uh, where each partnering university will share courses to be offered to the learners. So we're looking forward to these uh, in collaboration with programs. We have had some interested parties uh, discussing with Open University in Malaysia concerning this. So hopefully in 2024, we shall be uh, providing these uh, dual degree programs. So let's talk about the nursing programs offered at OUM. What are some of the factors that have contributed to its success? The uh, nursing program offered at OUM is a runaway success. Now, we have the Bachelor of Nursing Science with uh, honours. We offer Master in Nursing as well as uh, Doctor of Nursing. Now, if you ask me what are the factors that contribute to this success, I would say that probably the demand uh, that's coming from the healthcare industry. Now, local Malaysians' uh, demand has increased due to uh, advocating to healthy lifestyles, their participation in wellness programs. And if you look at the demands that's coming from the international healthcare providers, um, well, it is happening because due to shortage of qualified and skilled nurses overseas, I must share with you that our graduates are most sought after, uh, not just in Malaysia, but also um, overseas. Our nursing program is recognised by the Malaysian Board of Nursing. Now, um, talking about the Bachelor of Nursing, Master's in Nursing and Doctor in Nursing, this is a post-registration nursing program. Uh, for the Bachelor's program, you'd, say, you'd see that the eligible candidates for this program they actually qualify for a 42 credit transfer. 
Um, this is especially for the experienced and uh, diploma holders. And how are you planning to replicate this with other programs that you're offering? We are currently focusing in uh, industry-driven programs. Now, um, we realise that we need to create uh, flexible uh, yet dynamic curriculums that adapts to emerging technologies and uh, industry demands. Uh, as uh, Datuk Taj mentioned just now, establishing industry partnerships uh, for skill validation, for credentialing, and also for easier access for opportunities, for skilling, reskilling, and for also uh, employability. So how do you see OUM playing a role in shaping the future of education in this country? What are your plans for this? Well, you know, uh, we are we are going to celebrate our 25th anniversary, uh, Silver Jubilee of uh, Open University in Malaysia, uh, in the year 2025. So we have a we have a we have a long term planning of how to position uh, Open University 25 years and after. So even we are starting it this year, right? Beginning of this year. So we we want OUM to be still in the you know, on its track, you know, uh, striving for better, uh, you know, better education programs, uh, wanting to contribute significantly to various aspects of education, uh, workforce, of course, uh, work development, and also the societal, the progress of the society. So this is where I believe uh, OEM can be a player in terms of nation building, Right, providing quality education, and of course to provide um, education for working adults. So that's the philosophy of the university. So we are also talking about the democratization of education. So giving people a chance to, you know, to come back to to the university, uh, make a difference in their life, adding value, because I see education as an investment. Uh, you know, in terms of promoting your you know, your well-being, uh, even, you know, to promote, you know, wherever you are at, at the current moment to make you, you know, uh, to be successful in the future with your good education. What final message would you like to leave us with? As a university that provides uh, education mainly for working adults, uh, we strive to provide personalised learning paths based on individual skills, uh, based on their own preferences as well as their career goals. Now, we provide continuous feedback to enhance learning outcomes among our learners, and we do this digitally. We facilitate project-based learning to promote practical skill development as well as problem-solving abilities. We want our learners to bring their rich, uh, extensive uh, experience at their own workplace to the classroom and bring back theories and concepts that they learn in our classes back to their workplace. Now, aggressively, we are offering AI-driven student support services as well as uh, digital library facilities. All in all, I would say a flexible learning experience, self-paced, helping them in their exploration uh, in learning. And just just to add in terms of demographics, yeah, demographics of the uh, of our country. So in the year twenty twenty three, you know the age group of fifteen to sixty four years old uh, is about twenty three point four million people. 
And then those who are above 65 years old uh, is 2.5 million. There's a lot. You know, there's a big number of those who are in that category, above 65, for example. And in the year 2024, so, you know, we can see um, the numbers of people who are reaching uh, 65 years and above will be close to 5 million. So that, that's a big number of, of, you know, elderly population in Malaysia. So which I believe, you know, from these 5 million people above 65, you know, for those who are working in the government sector, they might be on retirement, but they want to say, hey, you know, I still want to, you know, improve myself, I still want to learn. For example, you are now 33, let's say you are 35 years old. So you take, you take a, a degree program with the university, four years, four and a half years. So after four years or four and a half years, if you are 35 now, you're going to be 39 or 40, right? So, but if you do not do anything for, for that four or five years, you, can, you will still be 39, right? But without your education, without, your, without advancing your level of education, without adding value to your life. So this is where I believe uh, the biggest room in this world is always room of improvements to me, right? So, so I mean, uh, we are here, the university is here to be your strategic partner in life. So we are here to make a difference in your life and uh, give yourself a chance to to grow and learn. And we are here to provide the support for you. Prof. Santi, Prof. Tajudin, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Professor Dr. Santi Raghavan, Vice President and Deputy Vice Chancellor of Learner Experience and Technology, as well as Professor Datuk Dr. Mohamad Tajudin Mohamad Ningal, Vice President of Academic and Research, both from Open University Malaysia. We want to hear from you as well. What have your experiences been with online learning? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.